Welcome to Experiences of Insight. On today's episode, we are thankful and appreciative to be joined by Michael Tan. Michael is a speaker, mentor, and storyteller within the global creative community. He is also the chief creative catalyst for IBM IX based out of Hong Kong. Michael shares with us some thoughts and insights on facilitation and innovation. He tells us what a creative catalyst is and shares with us a little about his journey as a creative. Lastly, Michael discusses his positive thoughts and hopes on how empathy can be used to help people find a middle ground in even the most complex situations confronting societies. Without further ado, we present Michael Tan. Why don't I try to do a little intro? Yeah. So, Michael Tam, I've never really had you confirm that Michael Tam, Tam, that's the correct pronunciation, correct? Yes, yes. You, okay. you right. not, that, not that there's a lot of variability in there, but I'm I mean, always want to check because sometimes I can go uh, weeks, if not years, without being corrected when I'm communicating with someone and they're not willing to correct me, so they just allow me to go on and embarrass myself. So, can you put me on my misery and just confirm? Okay. So, that's like my default now. Um, yep. And your title is Chief Creative Catalyst at IBM IX. Is that right? Yep. All right. So let's start with some of the formalities. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about um, and tell us about what is it like being a Chief Creative Catalyst? What does that uh, have you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. And what is your work about in IBM IX? Okay. Um, so this title is probably a little bit, um, I guess, different to a certain extent, um, it's, uh, it's not a standard IBM title. Uh, the reason is because um, we, um, well, me, me and our uh, IX leader recognize that um, we want to find a way to enable everyone to just think a little bit outside of the box. Even though we have a lot of different uh, um, um, methodology and approach within IBM to help us to be innovative. So, but we want to create an environment that allow everyone to embrace the prototyping mentality, embrace being able to fail and move on quickly. So that's where it all comes from, to um, to give me the a platform to help all the other IBMers and our clients to um, to embrace a more creative mindset to build this kind of culture within IBM and our clients. So uh, that's that's where this title came in. And in my day to day, um, my duty varies a lot um, from engaging client. Um, coming up with a, a point of view in terms of how to help them transform their business to uh, running design thinking workshop for um, internal and external parties and uh, helping our uh, experienced designer, UX designers, or, and even our technologists to, um, to tackle problems. And most of the time that starts with figuring out where the problem is really is rather than coming up with a solution. In the first place. One thing I want to mention, of course, both you and I are, are, are both IBMers. So full disclosure, we are IBMers. We happen to like IBM. So we, <laughs> might, we might be talking quite, uh, it, quite uh, positively on behalf of IBM. And by the way, our opinions are our own. So who knows what we're going to say, but we'll get that out of the way. Yep. That's right. We can be very candid. <laughs> that's that's opinions fair. Are our own. Our own. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Our own. Mm -hmm. Mike, Michael, um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up, um, you know, maybe a little bit about your childhood, maybe about some of your formal training and education um, and, you know, maybe first couple of jobs out of school or while in school or when you were younger and uh, how you started to uh, identify or get exposed to the being a creative and um, that community. Uh, you have a wonderful um resume and CV and experiences built on and I know you're talking as you were explaining to us what a creative catalyst is um, mm. which is wonderful um, you know could you share with us a little bit about your background and experience of course um, well I guess uh, first of all my um, background uh, as a person um, I was born in Hong Kong and I lived half my life here and then I immigrated to New Zealand and I spent pretty much half, another half of my life over there. Um, went to university and then I worked a little bit. Um, when I was younger, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Uh, and I guess uh, could be could be related to a lot of uh, other Asian kids that we, uh, we start off with a very uh, safe option in terms of uh, what we should study. So we went for, uh, uh, I, I went to study accounting uh, I did a bit of computer science as well, and then I realized my math is really bad. So 
I couldn't do, I couldn't pass math 101 or 201. So I couldn't do this basic course. Then I give up um, uh, 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 computer science and accounting, of course, uh, after a couple of try. And throughout my university life, I was basically trying to find a way out. What should I be doing? And um, quickly after that, I, I graduated in marketing, but I still don't know what I wanted to do. So, um, and then I, I, I was lucky enough to, uh, to, to work for this company in uh, New Zealand that uh, runs a lot of hardware um, trade uh, uh, business. And I was hired as a uh, management trainee. And thanks to this failed experience, because simply after a whole year spending in different uh, departments from uh, finance to uh, um, get on the road to being a salesperson, uh, well, not a salesperson, tag along a salesperson, and uh, even within the marketing department, I realized I didn't really want to be sitting in the office doing, looking at Excel sheets, which later on the come full cycle, which is in an irony kind of way. But um, so, but anyway, uh, after this traineeship program, I realized I don't want to do all of those. And I was looking for another way out and I thought, okay, um, I have always been sketching when I was young and uh, maybe I should really embrace my creative side of, of, uh, of, of things, right? Then, um, and I went to study advertising. And since then, uh, that gave me um, direction and I've been uh, working as an art director, creative director uh, throughout all these years and uh, really try to expand um, my horizon in terms of where I can bring design to impact people's life. So couple, last couple of years ago, about four or five years ago, um, I really want to take this uh, brand strategy, design thinking, creative thinking to, the, uh, to a wider audience. So that's how I made a kind of a pretty smooth transition into user experience. And I guess right now I'm just not looking back. I really want to um, have this wide audience that could span across, um, you know, CEOs to, to marketing, uh, um, CMOs, marketing team to IT team, really help them to, to use creative creativity to, to solve their problems. So that's sort of my journey, starting from not knowing where I wanted to, to, to go, not knowing what I wanted to do, and uh, just keep searching, keep searching, trying to look back into um, you know, what really get myself ticked and then and, and, and find a way to express myself, basically. And I think we've come up with a new ad for UX, which would read, I guess, design, there's no math. Mm. So uh, you said there's no math, no. you didn't like math. I think oh, that's yeah. a good <laughs> point. We could, we could put it on a billboard, I think we would, we would really, um, <laughs> in design if we could promise that there was no map. Uh, so. <laughs> well, but then the, the irony of it is what, yeah. once now we're running a project, we do look at Excel sheets. And then ah. now especially my role changed a little bit nowadays into a little bit more um, uh, go-to-market, client engagement, and managing a project, managing an opportunity. Um, I do have to face that challenge again. So that's something new for me to learn. Uh, to pick up math again when I'm at this age. <laughs> but I think probably one of the cool things is that, you know, now you have appreciation for what it's like to, to, to do these complex uh, calculations and um, also use spreadsheets. So I, I imagine that would also give you some advantage in designing for how can we make this easier? How can we make this um, something everyone could do? with a much more efficient user experience. So that, that may be another way of um, improving that. So let me ask you, being a catalyst, obviously you're not gonna be called, you're not gonna be referred to a catalyst. You're not gonna get that title if you don't energize people. So what are the, some of the things that you do to energize people to get them to believe in design? How do you do it? Okay, um, what do I do? Well, first of all, internally for my team, I, I generally try to remind them every day that um, it's okay to fail, to okay to not know the answer. Um, and it's very important for them to remember that they need to have fun. You know, only when you have fun, then you can be creative. Uh, only when you have that mindset and building that culture, uh, you can come up with innovative solutions. So that's, that's uh, part of the uh, cultural building that, that I try to do. 
Um, in terms of uh, really trying to um, help people to embrace this mindset uh, or, 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 or in a practical way, um, let's say in a workshop, I try to make a fool of myself most of the time. So for example, at the beginning of the workshop, I will be either telling a really bad joke or I will um, try to make some changes to some of the exercise that we do. I'm sure Lee, you, you are very familiar with some of the exercise. For example, we start, always start a workshop with a warm-up exercise, asking people to draw a feature, a product, which is could be a bias, could be an alarm clock, and then ask them to draw uh, a better way to wake up, right? So normally people end up with two post-it notes, and I'll always ask them to squeeze one of them and then, well, actually uh, squeeze one of them and then try to ask them to throw at each other. You know, just to get everyone to have enjoy this kind of, I guess, a little bit, be a little bit more free spirit. And another thing that I'm always trying to do is to remind them that they are having fun. Is at the end of a workshop, we always do a boomerang. So again, giving people another chance to, to, to just to be a little bit less serious, you know, and and to just to enjoy being a little bit stupid and and really help people to embrace this kind of. Uh, I guess a design approach to problem solving rather than, hey, let's calculate how we can, you know, come up with a calculated solution for that one. Yeah. On, on the topic of, uh, you know, getting people comfortable with the concept of being okay to fail, tell us about something that sticks out in your mind about maybe not a, you won't classify it as a failure, but something that was a piece of feedback that you received that allowed you to pivot or adjust course and maybe if you had any lessons learned from that experience, something that sticks out that you wanted to share with somebody, um, you know, either in, on a personal basis or professional basis, um, you know, could you share a moment or a thought if you have one with us? Mm. Mm. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, it, I, I was just having this conversation with one of my colleagues today that, um, uh, that I realize I always sort of look backwards. I do a lot of um, retrospect. Um, the funny thing is, whenever someone asks me about a similar question to this, like what was your past success or failure, I always find it very hard to remember. I mean, because one of the reasons I, um, I always try to do this kind of retrospect is I analyze the problem a lot. I mean, I analyze it, I try to relieve those, those failure and digest it and, and, and break it into small pieces. And then once I stopped it, I sort of move forward and then forget everything that, uh, that's about it. Um, maybe one of the biggest failure is um, sometimes I could be doing that too much. So that means I could be overthinking the problem a little bit too much or maybe I inject a little bit too much of those emotions into it. And then when people point out to, to me, I could, at that moment, I could get a little bit, maybe uh, a little bit defensive, maybe. And, then, and that's something that I'm still trying to work out, maybe because I need to work in my sort of my own pace in terms of this kind of internal digesting uh, phase. So maybe if I could, um, I don't know, maybe bounce it off with someone a little bit quicker earlier, that could be, could be something that I could still improve on. Um, yeah, but it's, it's always tough because every... I guess every problem or every failure or even good things that I would analyze uh, within my brain is um, every situation is so different. So um, I don't know, I'm still learning every day. Things <laughs> going on at all times of the day. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of the things that you like to get involved with, participate in? What do you do with your free time? Wow. Okay, that might sound very workaholic. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I never realized my passion for design um, so clearly until the recent couple of years. It has probably has something to do with I was very lucky to be given a platform to express myself within IBM X. But at the same time, I think the community in Hong Kong is one of the best one I have experienced. Uh, well, I haven't lived in too many places, to be honest. Um, New Zealand is good. Uh, I've been to Berlin a couple of years, which have a very vibrant um, uh, design community as well, which I love. 
But I think because of Hong Kong is very, very small. And is we have so many international designers come and go, you know, uh, trying to um, uh, build a new base in here as well. Um, so with all these new talents, I in my free time, I really love to uh, give back to the community. So um, I guess it's not a surprise to you guys um, as we connected on LinkedIn, you notice I will go to a lot of uh, meetups or maybe uh, giving a, a sharing with the, uh, in a, let's, let's say a design panel or um, just basically engage with the community. That's something that I do a lot. Um, meeting with fellow designers is another thing I enjoy a lot, like uh, having just a coffee, having just a chat, similar to what we do right now. Um, I think those those engagement pretty much better than even going to um, to uh, to a uh, let's say a, a, a art exhibition. Of course, those are great, but um, I, I, I love that human make, you know element of, of within the design community rather than just all right. Let's look at this beautiful uh, uh, art right there. Of course, it inspired me, but nothing more inspired me more than you know a fellow human being in a sense so that's that's what i love to do even even if it's non-designer i just love meeting people chatting to them that's yeah you learn most of the time now on on that topic of meeting people and chat, chatting with people and you had mentioned that you know based off of your upbringing and um, travels throughout different parts of asia and as well as some of your schooling down in Wellington and then some of your time in Germany and other places that you've been. Um, for people that haven't been that fortunate that might be listening um, and maybe haven't had a chance to venture outside of their local area, um, you know, what are some of the lessons learned from the experiences that you've had with other pe people in different regions or cultures and as a catalyst you know, how do you, what are the, you know, as if you, I, I think of you as maybe like the guru when it comes to getting people to work together, to be creative, um, employing tools and methods, you know, what are some of the um, salient points that you would like to share with people based off of where you are now and some of those lessons learned in those experiences and places that you've been? Sure. Um, okay. When I was younger, um, I was actually quite shy. So can't even, uh, even my parents said, you know, can't imagine that I just talk nonstop nowadays. <laughs> but um, so I was quite shy. And I think um, one of the biggest lessons I learned is, um, <coughs> excuse me, is this, 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 uh, it's, it's never a failure if you say something wrong or if you just, just step out of your comfort zone. So um, once I start doing that, um, my sort of my life and sort of my career change a whole lot. So my advice for a lot of um, uh, designers, especially young ones, um, is uh, get off your phone and get out and reach out to people. I think that's very, very important. And, and that's got nothing to do with um, whether you get a chance to fly to you know, San Francisco or Berlin or anywhere. You have a local community and they are always very uh, uh, excited hidden talent people in there. So um, I think that's the first step. You are always believing um, the concept of give and take, you know, you got to give before you take. So, you know, give up that pride, give up that, that self comfort zone, step out there, reach out to people. And there's always someone who's willing to give, um, something back. So that's the first step. Um, and well, of course, even though I said, get off your phone, but then as a creative person, as a designer, you need to be curious. It is, I, keep repeating that to my team uh, that they need to, as they grow, designer is not just your job title. Designer, being a designer is a lifestyle. So that means you should be watching, you should be observing, you should be curious about every single thing that going around in your life. So it could be how an old lady writing a, I don't know, uh, um, um, uh, sign a paper sign down the road um or how uh, someone uh, uh young kid how they run around chasing after a ball i don't know uh, you could always observe something how people act in their life so those becomes the substance of your design those becomes the materials right so so two things reach out to people 
and start observing. I think that's very, very important. And I think, um, and, and, and the fact is, well, when we talk about being curious, being observing, um, that is the moment that you can bring in the digital tools. You follow people, um, read, and uh, well, we, we, we all love IG, so Instagram keeps growing. Those are great um, uh, uh, medium to uh, channels to, to, to learn about art direction nowadays, especially we don't get to see a lot of good billboards anymore. So good to read up these, you know, use these visual channels to learn about your art direction, learn about your craft, and observe people, observe how things work. And that's how you learn about user experience or, 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 or um, interaction design, right? And um, like I said, reach out to people, talk to people, follow people, um, find a good mentor. That's very, very important. Uh, I was blessed by um, in my career with people who were willing to 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 to, uh, uh, to teach uh, without holding back. So um, I think that's very important. You do in your spare time, and I'll show you your future. And mm -hmm. it sounds like you're doing a lot in your spare time to position yourself to be a good designer and to inspire people. Who would you say? Um, who would you say that you most want to collaborate with? Mm. And, and or and or if you don't like that one, um, okay. If no one comes to mind that you want to collaborate with. You could say, I just want to collaborate with myself. Um, <laughs> also. What types of projects or areas are you most excited about in design? Okay. Well, you know. uh, mm. okay, that's probably two person. Um, I don't want to sound too cliche actually, but it's, it's, it's just what it is. Uh, I would love to work on a project with Simon Sinek. I think he is one of, he, he might, Everything that he says um, might seem so simple, but I'm sure it goes through a lot of internalized of thinking, you know, thinking about problems, thinking of a process, and then regurgitate them into a way that is so simple for everyone to understand. And the fact that he believes in helping other people—not—he's not a designer, but he is a design thinker. He is a creative mind. So, able to work with him on a project that can. Maybe come up with coming up with a solution, or a, I don't want to say a platform because that sounds already like a solution. But coming up with a way to help even more people to realize the dream sounds like something that could um, help to move the human race forward. So that that would be one person. But if I need to pick someone who is very design designy, uh, I would pick probably someone like Johnny I, someone who's just not just because of his status, of course, but because of his reputation for being such a, set a such a high standard. I think I will be very challenged to. I think I read a article sometime before about a designer who said he worked with Johnny Ive, and then um, it's like you, when your client is Johnny Ive. Let's just say when your client is Johnny Ive, then suddenly you you, you don't even know if you are. You, you are offering a better design service for them or are you just, just learning with them when you're working along the way? So I think having this kind of opportunity to design something together would be, would, would be really cool. And I don't think Johnny and I have ever designed something like, we uh, 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 you sort of touch on now, you, you run a design sprint for AI, right? So if we can get Johnny and I to collaborate on some these sort of kind of intangible project, that would be interesting. That would be something that would be interesting to do. I've been thinking a lot about deep sprints. These mm -hmm. are really complex, sophisticated sprints, things that have to do with AI, that have to do with blockchain, that have to do with robotics and automation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's an area that I want to investigate using enterprise design thinking and, mm -hmm. uh, of course, packaging it up with a design sprint. So within a, nice. a period of time, we get yeah. the right talent in the room, like those, you know, with, with people that we most admire where possible, where it's, where it's feasible, um, but <laughs> definitely have a, have a goal to produce something really amazing. Mm. And, I, I, and I think it would be really cool to, to have this little twist that 
bringing these really awesome people, but then put them into a different zone, right? Like I said, put Johnny Ive to design something intangible, not product focused, or you maybe, I don't know, Carl view, right? Ask him to design um, a, a, a product together. If we can bring him in and, and maybe collaborate and do a design sprint with uh, Johnny Ive and ourselves, that would be quite a, quite a learning experience. That I'm, sure be up for it. I'm sure they'll be up for it. <laughs> Well, we gotta figure out how to bring someone's so, so back to I would, life. <laughs> I would assume that both you and you and Lee internally have access to a lot of training and resources, and because of the network, um, you know, your team, Michael. Um, I know I've been looking at some of the uh, news um, releases about some of the acquisitions that the team has made. Um, you know, enabling IBM to have the largest global creative agency. Um, you know, it's a very impressive story there. So um, are there any other places like externally that you could share with us that, you know, if I want to keep abreast of um, trends in the art space, creative space, design space, um, or even just like, you know, kind of geek out on certain you know, blogs or newsletters or anything like that. You know, I have a few that I follow myself. Um, mm. Is there anything that you could share with listeners and people out there as places that you like to go to that you value their their content? Um, I sort of touched on one platform before, which is the uh, Instagram. I think it is great for uh, just solving the, you know, the, the latest design style because it's so limited. It's a platform, it's actually limited, uh, but it's great because it's pushing all the people to, to try to fit their art direction, the composition within such a small frame, right? So I think that's a great um, uh, platform to play with as an art-based creator. Um, but personally, I think I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, um, which is, I think, um, now it's becoming um, just a go-to place for if you want a deep conversation and really insightful sort of uh, inspiration. I, I, I mean, I still have Facebook. Um, I, I do go to Medium, but, uh, but I find it a little bit hard to find content in, on, on, in a consistent basis, um, which I guess go back a little bit before, like I mentioned, you know, you've got to find mentors or people who you want to work with and then try to follow them on LinkedIn. And then um, and, uh, uh, I basically scroll through it every single day and different hours. Um, that's my go-to one. I wake up, I scroll LinkedIn. Um, around lunchtime, I scroll LinkedIn. Uh, of course, it's, you know you still get uh, content that is sort of sort of being shared around, which is not surprised. But um, but still, as a platform, it, uh, I see most of the uh, content that are really related to. Um, to areas that we can make more impact. Um, I think I sort of touch on that I have a growing uh, um, interest in the business design or service design area right now. And I think um, understanding how business people work uh, help us as a designer uh, a lot, um, even just by following some of the uh, content that normally won't um, interest you. I mean, if someone, Post around about the uh, stock market. I mean, I might not be a huge investor, but having been in around the environment allow us to have a sense of uh, what people will be talking about or what they care. Um, so if we come by, let's say, doing a banking uh, project, then those things are would help, even though you never really planned for it. So I think those uh, see LinkedIn is, is my one. Maybe I should get some sponsorship from LinkedIn, although I don't, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's just my go-to one. I really love it. I really love it. Yeah. I, I, um, it's interesting. That How about you guys? Yeah. It, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that concept of having a network, um, hmm. it's almost uh, leads you down the path of spending your time and focus, assuming that people have um, limited points throughout the day at which they're checking social media because of yeah. other things that they're focused on. And you create a network which kind of you, you follow who you care about either professionally, personally, or because of the content that they post. And it kind of, it's one form that you can do it. And I think a friend of ours, Ross Chapman, was saying something similar to you. At least in LinkedIn, you know the quality of the content that you're going to be get, yes. getting is a little bit 
uh, more refined and it's a little bit more um, uh, aligned to maybe some of your interests. So uh, I, I'm, I would agree with you across mm. the board on that one. I think so. No, sorry. Um, so I like the fact that on LinkedIn, it definitely ups the stakes, right? If you're on Facebook, you know, you could be posting. Sometimes you actually may be trying to post something professional and interesting, but it's quite, quite casual because the stakes are low. But when you're on LinkedIn and you have to say something in front of your community of peers or in front of your manager, et cetera, you're pretty careful about what you're about to say. So I like that aspect of it. It, it levels, it improves the stakes. People are very careful. They've been thinking about it. And they know it's going to be, you know, something that will probably contribute to their network. They're not going to put something out there that is casual. So that I think that's really used. That's a great aspect. Yeah, I think someone once mentioned, right? You, you know, who who you want to be is really depends on who you surround yourself with, right? So that's again, it's it's this garbage in, garbage out. And if you try to surround yourself with people who inspire you, then then even virtually, it really helps you um, uh, come up. With you know, storing all the substance within yourself without being very conscious about it. And once when you need to come up with new ideas, these things just, just fire at the back of your mind and, and then you, you create something better, right? Yeah, and just like, you know, they, they obviously there's um, a saying, steal like an artist or borrow heavily from artists or lease like an artist. I don't know which one, one of those. Um, so, but the fact of the matter is you don't have to come up with something amazing every single day. You can rely on your network to come up with something really amazing. And then you just work off from it or you, you know, iterate on it. And it's a constant source of that inspiration. Sometimes you just need energy. Sometimes you just need a laugh. But you can outsource innovation a lot of times and LinkedIn is good. Yeah. It's funny how when you start this, 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 uh, 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 uh. A message, this statement is, you said, you know, um, I, I can't remember who said it, but, but it, you know, someone said blah, 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 which, which is exactly a perfect example, right? Because you've been reading something somewhere on a good platform that is, you know, with high quality and then you self, you, you, you know, digest it, took it in and then with your own input, you twist it, turn it upside down and look at it from a new lenses and then you come up with something you know, probably, hopefully even more profound. And I think that's, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, so what are you, uh, I know it's 1230, a little bit after 1230 in the morning there on Saturday. Uh, you know, what is, what is next for you, uh, for the rest of the weekend and, um, you know, what is what do you what does Michael have on tap for the weekend? <laughs> well, not <laughs> um, I, I, there's a lot of weekends that I do work. Um, uh, the funny thing is, I don't want to sound like a workaholic because I do enjoy my work a lot. Um, because I felt like when I, I I'm when I'm working, I try to uh, I don't just work. I look at the um, the project that we do. The, the engagement that we do, um, even when I'm building a deck, looking at a framework, I try to really digest it and break it down into pieces. So, um, so work sometimes in the weekend, I, I do these kinds of things, but this weekend, no, um, I will take a break and I play a lot of football. And the fact is during my university life, uh, when I was feeling a lot of, you know, a lot of lost, uh, in terms of direction and all that, um, I spend all my time playing football, so I, I still do. You know, I think it's very important as a designer that, um, of course, I said, said I, I work a lot, but it's important that you have a lot of things. So um, I, I play football tomorrow morning, and I'll meet up with some friends, uh, football friends as well. They're having a housewarming party, so going to be meeting different people from different walk of life, and we're going to play FIFA. So, um, again, um, having fun sometimes, you know, is uh, just, just to – chill and relax is, is really good. Again, um, sometimes uh, the designer mindset will kick in and then I'll be start observing, okay, how did the latest Fever 2000, uh, to, you know, uh, to, uh, 2020 design the UI screen? How did they come up with, you know, this, this player profile? You know, these things are going to be go into the back of my mind for future usage, but uh, I'm trying to enjoy myself. And of course, spend time with family, I think is very important. Um, I don't do a lot of travel recently, um, but if I get the chance to, uh, normally I would. Uh, Hong Kong is easy, so it's always good to go to uh, take a short trip, uh, go to Southeast Asia. I think one of my old mentor uh, once told me that uh, you got to travel. 
you got to travel, you got to travel, you got to travel. There was a, when I first moved back to Hong Kong, maybe because I used to grow up in New Zealand, uh, it's right at the corner of the world. Uh, it's very expensive to go travel. So I don't have a, a, a habit to go travel and see other things, uh, which is a shame. Uh, but uh, once I moved back to Hong Kong, my mentor said, hey, you, you got to go around Southeast Asia. There's so many different culture around. And then I start, once I start once, and then I, I fell in love with this kind of habit. And I tried to, I think I tend to do uh, uh, a couple of trips throughout the year. And I think it's always good uh, to, to have this kind of cultural shock all the time. Yeah. How about you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, well, we, we like to travel. I think Dave does a lot of traveling. Yeah, why don't you go ahead, Dave? Yeah, so um, this weekend, so the question about this weekend, um, so my wife has office hours on Saturday, So, and I have two boys. Uh, Axel is six, just turned six last week, and Robin is two. And mm -hmm. so uh, Axel has a soccer game tomorrow football so oh, plays football um he <laughs> wants to be a professional football player and so uh he plays football three days a week and um so we'll be outside tomorrow and um we have some other activities a lot of outdoor activity i'll, I'll probably get into a game of battleship with axel at some point when robin's taking a nap or maybe he's taking a certain liking to monopoly and then nice. um, on Sunday, and then when mom comes home, I usually come into my office and I do some work in the evening on Saturday until I'm too tired to do any more work. And then on Sunday, we try to do, um, it's the one day a week where we're together in the same place. Um, and we try to do some family activities and we have um, a swimming pool in the area that hopefully if I'm lucky, we'll get a chance to go swimming with the family and, um, you know, um, just have some really fun time and maybe take a nap together if we're lucky or do something like that. Um, I agree with you on travel. Um, I grew up in Southern California and, um, a lot of people that may or, or may or may not know how vast, uh, and how big, you know, from a landmass perspective, the United States is, it's a, you know, it's like a six hour plane flight from where I am in New York to where I grew up outside of Los Angeles. Mm. I'm about, I grew up about 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles and I came to school out east on the East Coast when I was 17. And um, ever since then, you know, right out of school, I graduated and I stayed in New York. And uh, I've really, I've really been fortunate to be able to travel and see different places, meet different people. Um, in different, uh, at different points in my life. It's been a very big um, part of my life and definitely making who I am, uh, helping me understand uh, different people, I think is definitely without question uh, made me into who I am, especially when it comes to concepts like empathy and just um, understanding. And, you know, um, you need to be out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, I think in, in traveling, forces you to do that um, because sometimes, especially if you go to a place where you don't have a common language, um, you know, you have to figure out a way to do what you need to do and to get from point A to point B or to, you know, find food to eat. Or if you're lucky to tap into the local um, places that you wouldn't find in a tour book or on a blog post. And um, so um, that's, those are some of the things that I like to do. Yeah. Nice. I like literally to, push you to out of comfort zone. It's good. So how about you? Yeah. So Michael, I, I think I mentioned that I lived in Hong Kong for a couple of years. Mm. And uh, I, what I liked about Hong Kong is I just, for some reason, felt safe at all times. Like at any time of the day, I think that also has to do with people who are out and about at all times of the day. But I really enjoyed the photography. I would go to the peak. I would walk all through the mountains. Uh, nice. It was amazing. I really, I really enjoyed it a lot. I have a million trillion photos. But also when I was over there, as you mentioned, it being in a pretty prime spot, I went to Taiwan, I went to Japan. I uh, see what else I went to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Indonesia. So I a lot of amazing experiences. And as a, a creative person, I think it definitely improved my ability to listen and observe because everything is magnified. It's so 
stimulating to be in those different places. The signs are different. People dress different. They talk different. Uh, there's so much there. So I think that was probably very uh, shaping in my curiosity on how do people behave? How do they live and all those things. So that was, that was a, a big, a huge experience for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, travel, travel is important, very, very important. I, since we talk about the topic of travel, I, I just want to sort of also touch on that. Um, uh, you guys met, um, you know, mentioned that, I mean, you know, I, I, I was probably lucky to go to a lot of conferences or go to a lot of different um, cities, but I also want to remind a lot of our younger designers is that um, you can you should find your own way to get to different conferences. Um, you learn so much, and um, sometimes you don't need to spend a lot of money. To be honest, you you know you you gotta put your put your um, you know put yourself out there, try to win an award, win an um, you know win win a little competition, and then they give you a ticket to get there, right? And then you see you know you listen to people, you meet new mentors, new new friends, and you you are in a new city and. and those things just 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 blow your mind away, and I think a lot of the time, even now, I still do it, which is uh, you know, I still try to, you know, I think it's normal. It's when people try to self-justify whether they should spend some money to go to a conference, um, to spend it. Yeah, it's always worth it somehow. It's always worth it. So I think that's yeah, just important. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I think um, I heard a few people. Um, I was listening to a few people about two years ago saying that, and maybe at that point in time, I bet if they thought about it now, or maybe circumstances have changed, um, they were very um, guarded on how they use their time, and they were very uh, against going to conferences um, just because of the cost and the time, and they were more driven by like trying to get engaged in a different way to generate revenue. I... Um, like-minded to what kind of some of the stuff that you were saying about just get out there, do it and, um, you know, be exposed to that and the experience. It's wonderful and rewarding. I can't, I can't say that enough. It is wonderful and rewarding because you increase your network more than likely you're going to learn um, from some of the masters or best practitioners out there. And if you're lucky and, um, but that's a real fulfilling experience for all people. And it also has that element of taking you out of your comfort zone and putting you in a place that's not your norm. You don't get to choose where you're going. Um, you know, the venue and the site is set by somebody else. And that's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic and setting and environment to go into. Yeah. You, definitely can, you definitely can cheat the learning curve when you go and see these people in this environment. You know, you're, you're getting the extract of their 10, 15, 20 plus years of experience. And yeah, it's, it's definitely accelerates your progress. Yeah. Of course, it depends on, you know, the, also the person, you know, uh, how, how you approach it, right? We, we're not en encouraging everyone to be just a conference junkie and all that, right? But like you said, it's that 20 seconds, 30 seconds of, of people sharing and then it really accelerate and open up your mind, right? You see how, most of the time people will share their struggle as well as their success and just got to pick the right ones to go and you don't have to go to a lot just once a year or that would be very helpful especially for a young person I mean I still learn a lot whenever I go anywhere uh, meeting fellow designers so I think it's important you know I um, I know when we talked a few weeks ago we were talking the climate and the local situation in Hong Kong mm was definitely in the news and um, you know I was wondering if you could maybe give us an update from your perspective on mm. the vibe there um, however specific or general you want to be or you're comfortable talking about with mm. us you know could you give us an update from from the ground there in Hong sure. Kong and what's sure. what you're seeing and how people your friends and your community are reacting yeah <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because like you said, we, we chat about this, this topic a couple of weeks ago. And I think I, back then I already said, you know, uh, it's not looking that good. Uh, people, mm -hmm. the, the city is really torn and um, there's a lot of issue in terms of how, the biggest question is how much empathy is coming up from the government or the police. And of course, now we're both sides going hand in hand. Uh, it's really about empathy from everyone, which is the lack of 
sorry, the lack of empathy. And when Lee, you were saying, you know, a couple of years ago, you were living in Hong Kong, you feel very safe. Um, I used to felt like that way too. Um, uh, um, the, I, I still remember the, when I first went to San Francisco, um, I felt, you know, some, some areas I was, I was staying in the, uh, the Tenderloin area near the Tenderloin area, which is, you know, infamous for a little bit, uh, messy over there. And then after that trip, um, as much as I had a good experience with, uh, with the friends and the design community over there, when I went back to Hong Kong, I realized, oh my God, Hong Kong is a very safe place. You can walk out in the street, uh, at nighttime and there's just, you know, you don't need to worry about anything. Um, the, the other place that gave me that, gave me that, uh, uh, safe feeling was Berlin. Um, but recently in Hong Kong, uh, a very sad, unfortunate fact is, um, we don't feel that safe anymore. No matter it is from, uh, the so-called pro-government gangster or, uh, from the lack of police. So this is, um, this is how I see it. Um, uh, I, th- Right now, um, I, I don't see a way out for anyone. To be very honest, I don't see a way out for anyone because um, I don't see government to, which is understandable. If, if you think about from, from a control point of view, government, uh, I have a friend who mentioned that, you know, the, the, the logic of government, the, the idea of government as an as a, a academic definition is almost you want control which means you have less empathy. So as a designer, I find it, I can understand that, that, that concept, but I find it very sad and very hard to, to accept. Um, and, and I think the, if you look around the world, the, the, the best government are the ones who are willing to listen first. Then you come up with a, a solution that might give you that control or at least have a balanced uh, option for everyone. Um, but right now we don't see that in Hong Kong, which is a very, very sad uh, situation. And like I said, I don't, I honestly don't see even the development, the development from a couple of weeks ago when we said, when we chat until now is, uh, I think it's even worse to us the next day. It's not, when I said worse, it's not the messiness, messiness on the street uh, because it's just around the same. I mean, uh, I think worse is because of the feeling as a citizen. Um, you you really don't know when you walk out of the street. What, what you know? Is it going to be going to be you right caught right in between crossfire or whether gangsters going to come up and knock you out? So uh, so it's that. Um, but I, I, I <laughs> yeah, like I said I don't see a way out, which is uh, I probably sounds a little bit more. Uh, uh, hopeless than, than a couple of weeks ago. I hope we can find a way out. I think uh, last time I mentioned having the empathy is very, very important. Um, I, I still believe that is the only way for, for, for people to find a, find a, uh, uh, um, find a solution. Like in design thinking, right? You, you just always give and take. When you're in the workshop, you understand different units, different stakeholders have different needs. And as much as I will, as a designer, I think it's important to have a voice and have a candid voice as well. Um, I would always side with the ones who have less power, I think. Um, but I do think for way forward, um, we've been asking for five uh, demands. Uh, the the, the uh, retraction of the bill, um, having a, a independent uh, investigation units on no matter it's police or or uh, a protester, or there are five requests, five demands. Um, from a protester point of view, um, people want five demands to be satisfied. But I think if we think from an empathy point of view, from a solution point of view everyone has to back down a little bit just to find a way out, at least have a conversation. I think, I think if, if from a designer, you know, solution main point of view, I think that's, that's the way out.
sorry, I, I kind of went on a little bit too long on this re, uh, response. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I see it. Yeah. And the fact is, if you look at look around Hong Kong, and it, from a, I don't know from an international um, uh, as an international audience, what you guys hear from your end, um, but we see a lot of. Um, designers and the design, the creative community, or even in general community, people uh, create a lot of uh, find, finding new ways to communicate the issues. You will see beautiful design posters. You'll see um, a beautiful, actually there's a beautiful song written that unite everyone in, 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 uh, in, in Hong Kong who are requesting for, for change and requesting uh, 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 for those demands. So. From a design point of view, I, I actually see, I, I've been really touched by the effort and the uh, uh, creativity that came out from not just professional designers, but from the public as well. So um, maybe creativity is the way, way out and empathy. Yeah. The inclusion, how do we hmm. really include people and get to authentic conversations? I think there's if there's anything that was gonna was, was able to soften the position of people and get them together, it would be through through the approach that designers make and creative people make, and being able to tell through um, through storytelling and conveying the emotions and the opinions and 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 also being open, showing vulnerability. If there ever was a way to do that, I would imagine designers and creative people could. Could do that, so I'm extremely hopeful that that will that will contribute. And um, also, in regards to it now, kind of being an international situation, I'm hoping that the fact that there are many people aware of it um, will further uh, a a um, accelerated solution. Uh, there, I mean, it's not something that is happening in a corner of the world that no one knows about. It, there, it's 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 uh, it's always there. It's on the news. It's being written about. It's being discussed. It's on Twitter. It's on everything. And as long as it's in the active consciousness of society, I'm hoping that will allow for cooler, you know, real um, for people to be really thoughtful about how they're addressing it, and it'll also provide some pressure that for both sides to find commonality and a way forward. So anyway, I'm very hopeful. I know it's difficult. Yes. Well, being hopeful is very important. I think as a designer, that's, that's the, that's, that's the mentality we should have. You know, I, I think, um, I think when you talked about, so to your point about what our perspective is sitting from the outside, mm. you know, I think, um, I think on the surface, we feel that the, the situation where it is has potential to get very uh, bad very quickly, mm. um, just because of the way information is disseminated to us here in the States. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the, the key point that you mentioned about both sides um, working towards a middle ground, um, mm. even though you said it has deteriorated since we last spoke, I think that that in general is a very good insight for everybody to consider whether, you know, we're talking about the situation at hand in Hong Kong, but also generally speaking, it's very nice to hear you say that and remind people. Uh, and hopefully when we get your message out, people um, in the area are listening to that and take that under consideration and are mindful of that and are not losing sight of the, the bigger picture and making sure that whatever resolution is made, it's done with the least amount of impact, negative impact to the people and to the communities. So thank you for sharing that point. I think it's a really sweet point and it's, uh, it's good because a lot of people, you know, think like it has to be one way or another, but no, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one way or another. Yeah, in, in, in the in the in the midst of the in all those emotions, right? It's very easy for people to just black and white, just either this or that, right? Um, sometimes I would think, you know, the only way that we could bring different stakeholders together, come to alignment in design thinking, right, is the voice of user, right? That means 
a third a third element that's out of both parties. You know, so they come to this this third element that allow them to come to a common ground. So right now, as a designer, I've always been thinking, what is that common ground? Maybe, like Lisa, it could be the international uh, awareness allow everyone to you know kind of hey let's put a post to it and then step back a little bit or maybe there's something that we need to keep on looking for that exploration of what other common grounds that everyone can come to come into play but um right now i just hope we can get to a solution some sometime soon yeah it's difficult from a from a public sort of citizen point of view yeah <laughs> Very very difficult. Yeah, but designer has a has a has a has a role to play. Yeah, has a very important role to play. I, I think one of uh you guys should be familiar with him. Um, um, Josh Lewis in the states, right? I doesn't really matter what what um position or which wing he is with. But I think it's one thing he he mentioned is very quite important is you know as a designer you have. You have a, you are given a very unique power to 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 shape culture, uh, shape people's mind. You know, in advertising, of course, you influence people's mind with your creativity, right? But as in, in a general sense, I think as a designer, um, you know, we we given this superpower to 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 come come up with a a, a solution or a way that normal people might not be able to come up with. So I think we we need to put those. Uh, power into good, good, uh, good use, uh, or else you know, great power comes with great respons responsibility. If you don't use those power, then they, they not deserve to be some sort of superhero, I guess. So we have to we have to do it. All right, I know we're running out of time, and that was quite a meaningful. <laughs> so I'm grateful, but I think we need to pivot. <laughs> uh, sure. I, that's that's really. Um, a lot to think about, and I, yes. I appreciate your you being open, and candid. Um, yeah, one one thing I want to I want to make sure we get in is what uh, is there something coming out this year or something you are participating in that you want people to know about? Okay. Um. Anything else? Uh, or or a conference you're going to be at? Uh, is there anything? Um, yeah, it's, okay, by the time that you finish the editing, it should be out in the public. Uh, uh, is, uh, we, uh, IBM Hong Kong, we're going to uh, be uh, so, um, a sponsor, a partner of the Service Design Hong Kong Conference, which is the biggest uh, conference in this, in this area, service design. So uh, it's the first time we get, uh, uh, we, we managed to get this uh, partnership going. And they are very excited, and we are very excited. Um, um, I should be there. I uh, don't know in what kind of capacity. We, we initially talked about maybe helping to run a workshop. We might also be uh, doing a bit of sharing. So uh, it will be exciting uh, to be part of that. And of course, I'm very excited to, uh, uh, um, to wait for this podcast to come up. Um, I think it's uh, the second time we're having this chat, and I think it's, uh, it's really good to be bouncing thoughts with you with you guys um, what else uh, I don't have a lot at this moment to be honest um, um, I might be oh next year I'll be I can't so um, I'll be excited uh, on that yeah where can people find you LinkedIn that's it as the platform that I go to and I learn a lot and I hopefully can uh, connect with everyone to learn of them as well so please go there find me. Just look up Michael Tim. You'll find. Cool. Or look up me and Dave, and you'll be we'll be connected. <laughs> you know, on behalf of the experiences of Insight Team, um, thank you not only for taking the time for a second go around of this, and um, thank you for being open and receptive and supporting us and allowing us to capture your message and share it with the world and. Um, sharing with us as well as our listeners those nuggets. Um, we really hope that um, people get a chance to listen to you and learn from you as well. 
Lee, I don't know if you'd like to add anything. Yeah, one should share that. I think you captured it. We're very grateful. Enjoyed it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to to share with you, you guys. And uh, yeah, we all designers have a role to play. So let's change the world. Yeah. Together. Cool. Together. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Stay in touch. Thank Let's you. You too, Michael. Thank you. All right. Ah. Cool. <laughs> On behalf of the Experiences of Insight team, we thank you for taking the time to join us. We hope that you found this episode value added and you continue to check out our content. Have a great day.